right. Good morning, everyone. This morning, another few minutes that we'll have before our time of questions and and prayer together on the topic of giving. This morning, God's specific plan for giving. It'll be up in just a couple minutes. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, to, to worship you. Lord, uh, the only reason we gather together on, on Sunday uh, is to worship you. It is to learn from your word, the word of God, the word given to us, passed down from you to men through the Holy Spirit. Father, used to show us our sin, to show us the plan of salvation, to show us your plan of all of history, Lord, both what's already happened and also what's to happen in the future. And Lord, in your word, you give us uh, so much, Lord, that we could search for the rest of our lives to refine us, to make us look more like you. And we pray this morning would be another morning where we can worship you by allowing your light to shine in our hearts, the word of God to enlighten us, to convict us, to reprove us, to encourage us, to prompt us, Lord, and to allow us to love you and love one another better. Lord, in the area of finances, may we specifically learn a little bit more. May we be caused to think and to consider what your word has to say, Lord, both specifically and then also through example, Lord, in your word. We thank you for this time. May it bring glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. God's specific plan for giving a biblical theology of material possessions. So we have a number of areas that we will uh, get to, uh, a number of slides, so it won't be as the previous number of weeks. We won't dwell on each one super long. But we have a number of topics here. The first one, Christians must be careful not to evaluate subjectively what they believe is the Holy Spirit's leading when it comes to giving. When I first started to read this, I'm like, oh man, this is, it really is a, a subjective thing, right? That we think about as we're thinking about what we're giving, the leaders um, within the elders and deacons, you know, over the last couple of weeks and actually the last few months, I think our first meeting was in September maybe, when we were thinking about having a, a, um, a giving campaign. We met together at our home and we discussed this and after a number of us had already been meeting, Mark and Caroline and myself and a couple of the elders, uh, regarding a giving campaign and what it means to give, what it means to give biblically, how do we worship the Lord in our giving, and you begin to pray, right? And what does it mean when we are to be careful not to evaluate? A couple points here. We must be led and taught by the Word of God first and foremost. So we're consistent with that. God's word is what we can know to be true, right? God's will is written in his word, right? His specific will for our lives is revealed over time, but also his written will is given to us. So as we study God's word, we can see what he specifically has written for us to study and to know. Uh, The Holy Spirit was used uniquely in the apostles' lives to give them to write these things, um, to write the things that we have. We must not rely only or alone on our inner promptings. Um, and we'll see a number of other 
ideas or points to be made around this. So we just want to be careful as we're considering, as you're considering, um, you know, how many people's emotions are involved in some of your decisions in life? Does anybody have emotions involved? Not in all your decisions, of course, but just some, right? And so that's probably, that's, that's part of it as well, is that we want to be careful. One of the sayings that I, we had in, in uh, that I use often, that we had in our biblical counseling classes, was don't trust your feelings, right? Don't, don't just rely on your feelings. You feel happy, you, you want to take your wife out on the most expensive date you've ever been on, why? And then you get home, and man, I forgot that we don't have any money, because... <laughs> We gave it all to the campaign, the building campaign. So, Or as I've told my wife before, you know, I really thought about giving you something really nice, and it's the thought that counts, right? But I didn't, I didn't get it, so that's terrible. All right, God's desires to use people with material resources. I need to pass this along, don't I? There we go. God's desires to use people with material resources who can give great segments of their time to the ministry while still providing for their families. So he desires for us to, to do this, we, to use people who have things. How do you have things? You guys tell me. How do you have material resources? God gives them to you. And what, what do you have to do with them? What was that? Manage them. You have to be obedient. You can't just let them go through your fingers, right, and just spread out. It takes thought. He also desires people who can give great segments of their time to the ministry. I've heard this uh, saying, This I have a friend who the Lord is blessed with a lot of treasure. He's a very, um, he became a believer after having a multi-generational family business that the Lord allowed to, to bless. Um, as we know, he blesses those who love him and those who don't love him, right? And this guy... Um, was became a believer in a very um, charismatic church, and so time, treasure, and talent. He he he, he uh, uses those those words a lot. Time, treasure, and talent. And there's truth to that. We have time, right, to use, not just treasure. Some of us have tr- some treasures, and you can measure it versus other people more than others and less than others. It doesn't matter. But we all have time. We all have time that we can use. Aquila and Priscilla. Fellow workers in Christ Jesus, as they're described, they risked their lives. Later on, as they moved around, Aquila and Priscilla were able to move around because they, what did they make? What was their job? They were tent makers. They could move around and use that wherever. Everyone, almost like home builders today, right? You can build houses pretty much wherever. If you're a home builder, you can go throughout and help people build houses and uh, make a living doing that. And yet they used their home as they moved around. Uh, to help in the ministry. So we do have our material possessions uh, that we want to make sure we manage well so that we can use them to the fullest of the ability. And as the more we see them as in light of, hey, I'm just, I'm just a manager, as we're managing the resources God gave, I'm just a manager hired by the Lord, given possessions by the Lord to use these for His glory. Um, hopefully that puts it in a different light then this is mine, what, am I, what, do I, what do I want to do with it? Sometimes we complain about the government, right? They want to tax us more so they can manage our resources. And what do we all say? They're so efficient, the government is very efficient, right? With all of our resources. We just need a little bit more, and we're going to be able to manage the United States better, right? And, but is that what we say to the Lord? 
Well, if I just, I just had a little bit more, I, I would manage it much better. So we want to look at what we do have, what the Lord has given us, and we want to be able to manage that well. God desires to use Christians who may not have an abundance of material possessions, but who unselfishly use what they do have, their skills to do the work of God. God doesn't show favoritism towards those who have money. Is that all God needs is money? How do things get done if if that's all God, God needs? He needs talents, right? He needs people who are skilled at different things. Do we need a teacher in our church? Right? Is that one area? Do we need people who can help counsel, who can help encourage? Do those things have anything to do with money? He uses money to to fund those things. But the more men we have who can teach God's word, the more fruitful our church can be. All should be involved in serving the Lord and in serving one another. Dorcas was an example in Acts who made clothes to help others. Didn't have a lot of money to give, it appears like, but the ability to, to sew, to make things. How many of you have been given something or you know, you've, you've gotten a quilt from the church when you have a baby or when you have something? Is that not a blessing? Um, how many of you have different things, talents that you can do that really don't have anything to do with, then do with money and yet can be a great blessing to the church? So we want to be careful not to compare ourselves to others. Does the Lord want us to compare ourselves to others? We sound like we're getting saved by, well, I'm better than 50% of the world, so I'll be going to heaven, right? We don't compare God's, I mean, each other is not the standard, right? The Lord, God's word is the standard. We don't want to worry about comparing ourselves financially, whatever it might be. We do want to be faithful with our time, the talents we've been given and the resources we have. Going back one slide, actually, Aquila and Priscilla, um, what they were a husband and wife who were faithful with their time. And I think for those who, who are married, even for those who are single, how, do you, how are you faithful? Whether it's you by yourself, whether it's you with a spouse, how are you faithful together? How do your lives point towards serving the church? It's something we want to... Be faithful. All Christians, did I go one ahead here? Hold on. Maybe I went one ahead. All Christians, according to their ability, should be involved in sharing their material possessions to carry on God's work in the world. This is first modeled in Jerusalem, and it appears that every family unit gave, from what Luke said. So, he commanded, he encouraged people to give, and it, it does appear like everyone gave something. It doesn't list amounts or things like that, but it definitely appears as you read that he did. did. And this also harmonizes with uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, that we are to be faithful to give. And whatever that amount might be, uh, we want to make sure that we are faithful to do that. It's not... Um, a huge direct commandment. We'll see that in, in, in a little bit. But it is something that we, out of joy, out of a love for the Lord and what He's done for us, that we want to be faithful to give. Um, each one of us. And the Lord counts that uh, for us to be faithful, right? He, he 
He doesn't count necessarily the dollars and cents. The Lord uses that here on earth is differently, but it's our heart to give joyfully, to give with joy. Christians should plan ahead so they can be prepared to minister economically. As I was kind of reading this point, studying it, it was convicting. First and foremost, to their fellow Christians who are in need, but without neglecting non-Christians. So Christians should not only set aside money to regularly support their spiritual leaders, but also for emergency situations. If we do not have money in escrow to help in times of need, then we will not be able to experience the joy that comes from giving when those unforeseen opportunities present themselves. So we got an email just this week about an opportunity to give the church to a brother and sister in need here. And as we look at this, uh, how are you able to give? How are you able to give to things like that? How many enjoy being able to help a brother or sister in need? We'll see. How many of you are able to do so at the drop of a dime any time because you're prepared? Because you have a fund set aside. I won't ask for a raise of hands. But I'll say even, you know, myself, whatever it might be. As I said, this point was convicting just that you want to actually be planning. You want to have an emergency fund. You've heard that before for yourself. What about just for others? What about an emergency fund that is able to give? Again, it's not the amount, but it's the heart that seeks to do so. What joy that is to be able to sit there and to know. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago hearing um, one of our other teachers talk about how they plan. They plan. They plan for themselves to give, for their wife to give. They can do so and all worship the Lord. I'm like, man, that's a lot of thought. It's a lot of thought into how you give, into what you give, into when you give. And to be able to be plan, to plan ahead that much allows you to have that much more joy, right? When you, when you put out what you're going to wear the night before instead of frantically trying on 14 outfits, as I do. I don't, actually, but I probably should. But if you planned ahead a couple days in advance, right, and you know, and it's all set up, it's ready to go, um, back when I was competing, I did do that. You'd go through this exercise of getting ready for the day of your race, of getting ready so that you could compete at your very best. You could do so joyfully. You could do so without stress. Did I, you know, I was at a meet this last week with uh, Masters at our first ever nationals. We have six girls, and one of them forgets their suit, you know. It's like, well, it's always hard to swim without a suit. Especially when you're all different sizes and you can't borrow one. Especially when you're on a relay. There's three other people that depend on you to get it, right, to be ready. So are we in a relay here in our, in, our, in our church? Are we all together doing this? And it shows us that much more how important it is, not to just our family to give joyfully, but for the church to give joyfully. If you were the only one to come every week and you were prepared to give, do you want to be the one that forgot your suit, you know? doesn't feel very good, does it? You could see on this girl, we didn't try to make her feel bad, to encourage her, okay, we need to, we need to figure this out. But we want to be prepared to give. We want to be able to do so joyfully. And so having our home in order is what we need. Christians should set aside a certain percentage of their income on just as regular a basis as they are paid in order to be able to systematically give to God's work. So here's a specific 
thing that we can look at. We're to be consistent in many areas of Christian living, right? We're commanded to. Living free from immorality, being dishonest or inappropriate in anger. I almost didn't put the inappropriate side, but God does have an appropriate use of anger. But being inappropriate in anger, being unwholesome or destructive in our talk. We are to be imitators of God and to live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Does God have a plan for history? Or is he just kind of like going through the motions? What do I feel like doing today? Right? God's very specific in his plans. How much more do we just look at that to say, how much should we plan in every area of our life? He's already given us his plan. He's given us the plan of all of history of what's going to come. So how much more should we plan in these little areas? Christians need to be held accountable when they make financial commitments to God's work. Notice Paul's steps here that he took to make sure the Corinthians followed through. First, he sent Titus to help them complete their project. Second, he wrote them a personal letter encouraging them to finish the work. Third, he sent a group of brothers ahead to make sure that they collected the money before he arrived. And then he alerted them to his plans to arrive with some other Macedonian Christians. Like, hey, just FYI, I'm bringing some friends here who have told about how generous you are in your giving so that they wouldn't be embarrassed. If someone was coming to your house and they've been bragging on you, isn't that nice of them to do, right? To say, hey, I just want to make sure. So he's helping them. Would that convict any of them, you think, that hadn't quite planned? If he had just done so without telling them that, without sending a letter, he just showed, man, here they all are. Like, well, um, I don't, I forgot my wallet. So I'm not prepared to give. He told them, he planned, so he did so in a caring way. Is, is Paul planning here? Is he taking steps to think, to consider others before himself? I want to make them look good. I want to build them up. And is that not an encouragement to them? Is that an encouragement to, to them that he is saying, hey, I know what a loving church you are. I know what a generous church you are. And I'm going to bring some friends just to show, you know, I've told them of your commitment I've told them of what you're doing for the Lord. What does that do to you? You know, when, when people speak graciously and kindly, and and yet all you know, provoking you to good works. That's what we want to do, right? We want to provoke each other. God accepts and honors believers' gifts once they begin to give regularly and systematically. Even though they may not be able to give as proportionately as they eventually will be able to once they have their economic lives in order. So if you take day one today, or you took it a few weeks ago as we started to go over this plan, as is often the case, the Lord, He honors what we are giving. And when we, if it's a buck every week that we start to give. God wants to be first in all areas of life, including the use of material possessions. This week I was rooming with uh, uh, our coach on the swim team, and he was talking. He's, he's been a pastor in the past, and it's on the more charismatic side that he's come from. And as he's grown, but he and he be involved. He was involved in one mega church years ago that was very um, charismatic, and 
it's very interesting to hear the insides of what, and I didn't prompt him, ask him, we talked about it, I said, hey, I'm going to be teaching on, on giving. He says, it's amazing that, you know, 50% of the church doesn't give at all. And I said, it really is amazing. What's, what's been amazing and encouraging to me is how generous you all are. As we began to look at what we could possibly give, it actually, there's a positive and negative the positive is, like, 90% of the church already gives. So then what does that mean? If only 50% of the church gave, what would that mean? Well, man, there's so much more opportunity, right? Because half of you have your money stuck tightly in your pockets. But when we're already being so generous, and yet we know the Lord provides for all these things, but it was very interesting for him to hear of how faithful, as we teach God's Word, we're committed to God's Word, that our church has been faithful in material possessions that the Lord appears to be first and yet we all know that we can make him more even more important takes a willingness to first takes a willingness first before we often can afford to give proportionately so as you think about do I give proportionately to what I should be to what I desire to be um, are we am I doing that well first it takes a willingness to do that all right Lord I'm going to put you first in every area of my life in giving in time, whatever it might be, right? That's what you have to do. You have to realize, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm not doing this is what you actually have to realize. I can do a better job. God often makes it possible for them to give proportionately and generously later on. You have to be willing first, and then once you're willing, what do you do? At the New Year's, what do we all do? You, not everyone, but a lot of people, what do you, what do, you do for the New Year? Make a resolution. You know, I was, I was just a little too good last year. I can slack off a little this year, right? We make a plan for how we can do a little bit better in every area because we always can. And first and foremost, hopefully, it's to honor and serve the Lord in a better way. And then what do we do after we make that resolution? Well, we do, but hopefully, right after we make it, before we forget it, what do we do? What we start to, we write kind of the subject line and then we make a what? Make a plan, so specific points of how we can do that. And then we forget it. <laughs> how can you not forget your plan? What are some things you can do? Have a wife. Have a, wife. <laughs> a helper, yeah. right? Absolutely. You can write them down, very, some very basic things. But as you have a willing heart and, you, and you, you are humble before the Lord, repentful of the areas that you've been lazy, as I was telling my boys on the way to church this morning, that I hadn't been as prepared to have everything completely done, to have the questions printed out, to have everything. And just uh, confessing that to the Lord. Well, Dad, you were working hard. Well, yeah, I was working hard, but I wasn't as prepared. I, I didn't have every last step done. I didn't have all your... All the stuff ready to go, and mom has a broken foot. Help! Well, I, you know, I didn't need to. I could have been more prepared, right? I could have thought about it and been a little bit more ahead. So, as we are prepared, as we have a willing heart to be humble and submissive, and to realize our frailties and our our sinfulness, often um, the Lord, He's very gracious, isn't He, to encourage us pretty quickly thereafter. God wants Christians to take a step of faith and trust Him to enable them to be able to give certain amounts of money based upon future earnings. 
So does he want you just to be able to give based on what you have? I don't really need to trust the Lord. I got $100 in the bank, so I'm going to commit 10 of that to the Lord. And that's, that's what I'll do. Does he want us to use faith? Does he want us to have faith? If Christians only gave from the money they currently have, much of God's work would go undone. Paul presented a need, and he asked them to make a long-range commitment and then to begin to lay aside monies each week. This is exampled for us in his word. God wants Christians to trust him for the future. He does not want us to be unrealistic in our projections, and, he do, and yet he doesn't want us to be so reserved and hesitant that we don't need faith. Back to that first slide, those inner promptings. You know, it's a balance. It takes wisdom, it takes advice, and it takes prayer to maintain a proper balance between planning and trusting him to provide. So it really is a balance. When I read the first when I was reading, going over for, to prepare for this morning, the first one, the inner promptings, it's kind of hard because we do use our emotions, right? We do use our desires, and yet we want to be informed. That's why we go through six, eight weeks of hearing God's Word taught, of going over the examples we have in Scripture. How many of you have learned something the last couple of weeks about money from, from our Sunday school to our Sunday morning worship with Steve? We've all learned something, right? How many of you have been reminded of something that you already knew and you're kind of like, man, I totally forgot that. How many of you have been convicted? Any been convicted? Encouraged, hopefully all of us. So it takes wisdom. Where do we find wisdom? In God's word. It takes advice. Where do we find advice? On, what's it called? Christian Broadcasting Network. CBN. Put Jesus on your credit card. And it takes prayer to maintain a proper balance. You can X that if this is being recorded. But. All right. Christians should organize. Just a couple more points here, I think. Christians should organize a plan and plan their giving in a systematic way so they can give generously and not respond in a grudging fashion. What's the difference in our attitude between those two different ways of giving? Planned and systematic versus unplanned. Give me a couple ideas. You know, when you have planned, and is it easy? Is it easier when you plan? You think about what you're going to wear. It's easy to think about that. When you've planned it, you've already tried on your 14 outfits, and you found the one you're going to wear. You're probably still not perfectly happy when you put it on, but you still. Right? At least you planned it. You have six reasons why you're wearing this. Unplanned, is that more stressful? It's way more stressful. Right? What is it an act? What are we supposed to be doing when we give to the Lord? It's an act of worship. So, how do we worship the Lord? We want to do so by planning, we want to do so by being joyful. And it's joyful when we plan. And I put in there, it's fun too, right? It's fun to worship the Lord. Is it okay if we have fun worshiping the Lord? Did David dance in the Psalms? This was one of the discussion points we had with the masters, you know, kids. Gabe, what do you think about our rules of dancing? Well, I've seen MacArthur dance before, but... It's interesting the discussions you have with college students, you know. 
The local church is God's primary context for maintaining accountability in the area of material possessions. I really like this part of our reading. Every believer belongs to the universal church, right? We're all part of Christ's bride, the church. We're all part of it. This is, I, like, I like statistics. Approximately 95% of all references to Ecclesia Church are referenced to the local, visible, and organized universal church. Is 95% quite a bit? It's a lot, right? What about parachurch organizations? You tell me. Do we give to them? Should we give to parachurch organizations? Yes? No? What about like, uh, yeah, it depends. That's a good point. Like I already mentioned, CBN. Probably not, right? So it depends on what's being taught. What about like grace to you? Right, depends on what's happening at the parachurch organization. Who's their leadership accountable? What are they teaching? But where should be our primary, what should be our primary thing that we give to? The local church. How are we held accountable? Even by times like this, right? Where we go through a time of looking at the church, of looking at how we give, <clears throat> looking at our finances. We truly hope that this time has been an, an act of worship uh, over these next few weeks and the past few weeks, that we are, will be made into better worshipers of the Lord. Uh, one other thing that we used to think about in biblical counseling was you are bending your knee to something. You, we are all worshipers. What is it that we're worshiping? And in this world, it is easy to worship money, whether it be from not caring about it at all and not thinking about it, to thinking about it too much. Both and both, they can be a false idol. We want to put it in its proper context. What does Scripture have to say about it? All Christians have an obligation to support God's work in material ways. We all know that first, God doesn't want Christians to respond to a command to share material possessions but reflect out of our hearts, hearts of love that reflect sincere appreciation for his gift of salvation. And second, every Christian is ultimately responsible to give to God on the basis of his own heart. So then what's this obligation to give? It's similar to we're a slave of Christ, and yet we're free, right? We're a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we're also free in Christ. The freedom to give comes once we understand how indebted we are to Christ for his salvation. As we worship the Lord, knowing that he is our Savior, do we not want to give everything as we see what he gave for us? Husbands, a great example. Love your wives as Christ did what? Love the church, and what did he do? He gave himself for her. I will close in a brief minute of prayer, and we'll, we'll go ahead and get into our groups with a few of our questions. I think we'll have them passed out here as, as I pray, and I'll, we can leave them up here on the slide as well. Father, we pray that uh, this morning would again reflect your kindness, the kindness of your word to teach us, to cause us to, to look at our own hearts and to see some areas that we're being stubborn that we're not planning, that we're not thinking. Maybe we're thinking, but we're not thinking it from every angle. Lord, that's what part of your church, the point on the accountability, Lord, this is where we come to learn 
learn so that it might provoke us to change. Lord, may we be humble enough, each and every one of us, Lord, that we would be humble enough to see the areas that we can grow in. And Lord, not be stuck in, in ways that we could grow to look more like you. May we do so joyfully. Please bless our time of discussion and our time of prayer. In your name, amen. Let's go ahead and break up into our groups.